0: go to Acts chapter 16, or if you're turning in your Bible app, in your lovely glowing rectangle. Acts chapter 16, we're going to get there in a little bit. Verse 25. It's going to be a little bit before we get there. I just want you to know where we're headed. Now, this morning is a great example where Caleb and I, we're up here, we're just enjoying Jesus. Some of you, I know, you're just like, just meeting with Jesus like this is so great. But it could be that some of you also come in and you see other people enjoying God, seeming to experience God, and maybe you're like, I'm not really feeling anything. I'm not really sensing anything. I'm here because I love Jesus or I'm here because I'm intrigued by Jesus. But I think all of us have been in meetings where we can see other people looking like they're engaging with god and yet feeling like maybe we're left out like where where's god for me in this where's god in the like in my need and in my life most evangelical christians across the united states there's a there's a poll that was taken Say that they rarely come away from a corporate gathering of the church feeling like they've encountered God. The majority. And when we talk about evangelical, I know the term evangelical can have a lot of baggage these days, just like you talk about fundamentalism can have baggage. If we're talking about playing basketball and coming back to the fundamentals, we're talking about we want to keep remembering how to shoot layups. We want to learn how to shoot free throws. Fundamentalism is meant to be coming back to the fundamentals, the basics of the faith. And the baggage that a term like fundamentalism or evangelicalism even can carry these days uh, can make some of us cautious to even use the words. Well, I'll still use the words. I am happily uh, evangelical, meaning I believe in the gospel. (laughs) I believe that we're called to share the gospel uh, with people. But it's very sad to me that so many evangelicals would say, yeah, when I come to church, I I rarely, if ever, feel like I encounter God. Gosh, I sure don't want to come to, to church and not meet with God. I mean, I like you guys and all. Like you guys, we could go hang out anywhere. You can come to my house and barbecue. We'll hang out. We'll enjoy one another. But when we come together to meet with God, it's very sad if we walk away feeling like we didn't. But the majority of American Christians say they don't. So how can we get past that? How can we help one another engage with Jesus? How can, like... For, you can think about it personally for you. How can I meet with Jesus when I gather with God's people on a Sunday to worship or whatever day of the week? So I'm going to hit a few little points here that help us get beyond our thinking of what can I get out of this? The consumer culture that we all live in. Like, I don't know if you're aware that we live in a consumer culture? (laughs) We do. Visit a landfill. You will see how much we consume. (laughs) We are consumers, and we tend to bring that right into our faith. We tend to bring that into our meetings where it's what can I get out of it? Is the church ministering to me or even, I'm going to be careful how I say this one, is God ministering to me and when I feel God ministering to me, then I will engage with God. You may not even realize that we're thinking like consumers more than we're thinking like worshipers. We praise God because he's worthy, not because we feel physically wonderful or emotionally wonderful. I know Some of you in the room came today feeling less than emotionally wonderful and less than physically wonderful, and I'm so happy that you came to worship. We don't come because our circumstances are so good. We come because Jesus is worthy. Revelation 4.11 says he is worthy. You are worthy, Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Now, do we want to receive from God? Yes, we do. Yes, I do. I put both hands in the air. <laughs> I want to receive from God. I know how desperate I am and how much I need to receive from Him. But I've learned something through my life of how to engage with God that I just want to I want to pass on to you guys. Can you go to the go to that next slide? And I think they're all going to just pop in there. Yeah, he's going to, he's going to get them in there. I'm going to start reading. And you're going to see, there they are. 1 Chronicles 28, 9. If you seek him, he will be found by you. Second Chronicles 15, 15. They sought God eagerly, and he was found by them. Proverbs eight seventeen. I love those who love me, says God. And those who seek me, find me. Picking up on a theme. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And lastly, Isaiah 65, 1, God says, I was found by those who did not seek me. God wants to be found. I shared with all these high school and junior high kids, when God, it feels to you like God is hiding. You're going, where are you, God? I'm not, I'm not sensing you, I'm not sensing your presence. I'm, where are you? If God hides, it'd be like a dad hiding from a three-year-old. You're gonna hide in pretty plain sight. You're hiding because you want to be found. Not because you want to stay hidden. God wants to be found. He wants to be found by you. When I was, like, when my kids were little and it was Easter, we would do the Easter egg hunt thing. I did not want to hide those eggs too well. As they got a little bit older, I would hide them a little better. But still, I wanted them to find the eggs. <laughs> I didn't want them to not find the eggs. God says, when you seek me, you will find me. He wants you to find him. He wants you to be able to engage with him. He wants you to be aware of his presence like we were singing. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let me personally become more aware of your presence. Let me experience the glory of your presence what was the words of your goodness let me experience the glory of your goodness god is good all the time and he wants you to know his goodness but guys we don't just feel our way into his goodness we don't feel our way with you know all the touchy feelies and the warm fuzzies and all that you know ah uh, we don't feel our way into his presence. We come and we bring our praise to him because he's worthy. And he promises that when we come and we worship, when we come and we praise him, he will be found by us. We need to understand, go to that next slide there, Gabe. Okay? 1 John four nineteen. We love because he first loved us. God's already been seeking us. God desires us. He desires you. He wants to know you. Like, he wants friendship with you. And he wants you to know him. We love because he first loved us. So, our love for him grows the more and more we learn about his love. For us, and then in Luke ten twenty seven, you see the the four lines there. Well, the four underlined lines, and which one I circled? Love the Lord your God. Why? Because He first loved you, right? So it's all rooted in His love for us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. That's your mind, your will, your emotions with all your strength and again with all your mind all your strength I think we kind of we tend to get this in our our culture we're not just a consumer culture we're actually kind of an an intellectual culture we value I mean how many institutions of higher learning do we have university systems abound everywhere Everywhere. We love to learn things. We love to grow. We love to know things. And I'm all about, like, let's know things about God. Let's root our faith into the truth of who he is. Yeah. But what is this? Worship God. Love God with all of your strength. Acts 16, 25 this is about Paul and Silas in prison. They're in prison. They're in the stocks. They've been beaten. They've been physically abused. Let me just say, how, how good do you think they're feeling after they've been beaten and abused for preaching Jesus, for preaching the good news that Jesus saves, for casting a demon out of a young girl who was uh, like a uh, fortune teller. And they cast a demon out of this girl. She could no longer tell fortunes. The people who owned her, because she was a slave, were so mad because their source of income was gone that they they turned Paul and Silas over to the officials for wrecking their income, kind of slandering them. They're arrested. They're beaten. They're put in prison. Their feet are put in the stocks. They are, they are locked up in old-school Roman jail, which is not like county jail downtown. <laughs> it's brutal. They're not feeling good. Guarantee you, they are not feeling good. You'll, you'll see later on in the, in the story, they had to wash their wounds. Uh, that's how bad it was. Their, their wounds needed washing. But it's midnight. They're in the stocks And it says they were praying and singing hymns to God and all the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open. He drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. Roman law was, as an as a official, you were responsible with your life for those prisoners. And if they got away, it was your life for theirs. And it was going to be an easier death for him if he took his own life than if the soldiers took his life. Because that would have been retribution going along with that. Like, nobody wants to think about that. blah. But he's, he was ready to kill himself. And Paul hollers out, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What in the world were they singing at midnight? I mean, the fact that they were singing, singing hymns to God, praising God, all the prisoners are listening. The jailer knows something is different with these guys. He comes in, none of those prisoners, probably most of the rest of them, deserved to be there. And when their chains came off and the prison doors opened, no one left. What in the world were Paul and Silas doing that made those guys want to stay there instead of running for their freedom? So he, the jailer comes in, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I'm going to switch mics here. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. They all came to faith in Jesus that night. This whole family, Roman family, comes to faith as two men who knew Jesus And recognize he's worthy of worship. He's worthy to receive glory and praise when they feel wounded. They're exhausted, I'm sure. They're sitting there stuck in the stocks. They could be moaning. I mean, literally, they could be moaning. I'm sure they're in pain. But instead, they're praising. They're praising Jesus. He gets saved. Those other prisoners, they're hanging around. What is up with you guys? They had learned how, Paul actually says it, I've learned how to to abase, which means I've learned how to deal with lack, and I've learned how to abound. I've learned how, whatever my circumstance is, I've learned how to rest and to be fulfilled and satisfied in God. How do we do that? I want to quickly... Quickly throw some, some tools. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not just throwing tools. That's dangerous. I'm going to give you some tools. That would be nicer, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm going to give you some tools. And this, this, is, this is old school Hebrew. It's old school Hebrew stuff. All of these words we're going to talk about are usually translated as praise. Because what we're called to do is come and praise Jesus. But what does that mean? All of these words get translated. In fact, the old, the King James uh, translated all of these words as praise. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Sometimes you would get the thanksgiving or the bless, bless God from a couple of these words. But mostly they get translated praise. As praise. But Zamar talks about playing music along with your praise. I told the kids this week, not all of you are in the band. Not all of you play stringed instruments. Although we've got full, you know, it's great that we can do that. But every one of us has this very unique stringed instrument called our voice. That God gave you that literally no one else who has ever lived has the voice pattern that is your voice pattern. There's this song that that, that goes, uh, no one else can can love you. It's a worship song. No one else can love you like I love you, Lord, because I was made unique in your love. I was made to bring you praise. I think it actually says, I was made to bring you joy. Uh, you were made very uniquely, and God gave you a voice to praise him. And yes, to communicate with others as well, but your predominant like most basic, if you never got to hang out with anybody else and the whole rest of the world abandoned you, God gave you a voice to engage with Him and to praise Him. Psalm 144.9 talks about singing praises. It uses this word zamar. Singing praises. So your voice gets to be a string instrument. And if you play guitar, great. Play guitar. That's fine. You play the drums, you can bang along too. Keeping going. The second word that gets translated as praise. Very, very physical word. toda means your hands raised in thanksgiving. And you can read it in your Bible. A lot of times it just says, you know, I give you thanks. But what it looks like, if you actually were to apply this, is yes, my mouth is choosing to thank God and my hands are are agreeing, My body is agreeing and saying, God, I thank you. I praise you, not because I feel like I'm at a concert and so I should lift my hands, but because you are worthy and I'm expressing your worth. And I choose to do this, not just that I feel something really powerful, so I do this. But I choose. You are worthy. I lift my hands to you. Yada is the same. It also looks like lifting your hands. but this one is lifting your hands in surrender and actually this is the kind when we a lot of times we'll say, hey, just like even reach your hands out to somebody we're gonna pray over them And there's this idea of releasing God's blessing and releasing God's word. Sometimes it's back to him. We're just praying and praising his word back to him. But again, it's our body like our physical bodies, And God actually is the one who came up with this idea. We can look at it and go, oh, it's those flaky charismatics. I say those flaky charismatics. I am one of them charismatics. (laughs) But it's not just this flaky emotionalism, but it's God inviting us to worship and to praise and get our bodies engaging in celebrating him. Halal actually is really, it's a very aggressive praise word. The introverts are like, oh, stop that. Let's not talk aggressive praise. Halal speaks of boasting, bragging, actually comes from this idea of shining. And we're we're boasting of God. When you hear the word hallelujah, it comes from this. Hallelujah is literally, the you is you, plural, you. Yah is as in Yahweh. The halal part is Come on, everybody. This is the verb part. Come on, everybody. Boast of God. So it's all of us together. The worship leader saying hallelujah is actually saying, hey, all of you guys, including me, let's boast and celebrate of God together. Wow. And it goes right along with the bottom word, actually, Barak, which is literally to shout or to declare God's greatness in a loud tone. <laughs> In a loud tone would be shouting. Psalm 145.4, one generation shall commend Shabbat. Shout your works to another. Psalm 65.7 talks about God as the one who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves, the turmoil of the nations. He commands with a loud voice. And he says, "When you praise me, you've got freedom to do the same thing." Okay, we got two more that we skipped over. Tahila comes from halal, and tahila is literally singing from your heart. It's like not just singing the words on the screen, although it can be, but it's also the freedom to sing your own song to the Lord. But we begin to lift our voices in song. Those stringed instruments that He made. We begin to lift that to him. And we praise him with it. Singing to the Lord. Psalm 104 says that when we do this. When you come in and you go, I feel nothing today. I feel broken today. I feel empty today. I feel worthless today. I had a really bad week. And I've stumbled. I've struggled with sin areas in my life. And I don't even feel worthy to worship God today. You come in. Like, what do you do? Well, if you need to repent, do that. You're like, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I've just like, I've just been away from you, it feels like this week. I'm sorry. And then what do you do? We begin to engage our bodies. This this idea of Teilah praise. Psalm 104 says, We enter his courts with Tehila praise. We we go from being outside, you feel like the wall of God's temple. You're like, I am stuck on the outside today, it says when you begin to sing to him, like you, you shift your heart. And I always say, like, with with my eyes shut, even I'm looking at Jesus. I'm just fixing my attention on Jesus. It says when I begin to sing, I go from being on the outside to being transported right into his courts with a song. That's amazing. The final one I want to hit is Barak. This one's fun with kids. If I had more time, we'd play around with it because the C-H in Hebrew is like the spit prep sound. I'm being nice. Barak. (laughs) Barak, actually, it speaks of blessing, but bowing and kneeling. So sometimes you're like, "I, I just feel so dead inside. I've had a hard week. How do I engage with Jesus? Sometimes it's literally. I just bow my knees before the Lord. Sometimes it's this way. Sometimes it's the singing. Some it's all of these things. You notice how every one of them is physical. It's physical. God wants us. He he knows that he created you body, soul, and spirit, and your body's a part of who you are. And he says, worship me with your body. If it's if it's just engaging your mouth, if it's lifting your hands, if it's kneeling, if you want to shout, fine. I just want to challenge you guys. Maybe that's not your norm. Maybe you're not. You're like, I, I'm just kind of all. My I'd like to just kind of hang out in my head. I don't want to be all, you know, hyped and emotional. I'm not trying to hype you. I'm just trying to say, hey, let's submit our lives to God's word and let's praise him accordingly.